Welcome to the podcast Israel and Christians Today. This podcast is brought to you by Christians for Israel International. Join us on a journey as we explore and discover God's love for and His promises to the Jewish people. Our goal is to understand Israel and world events from a biblical perspective. Enjoy this new podcast episode. Welcome everybody to this third episode of the Israel of Christians Today podcast. My name is Andrew Tucker. I'm chief editor of Israel and Christians Today. And it's a great joy and pleasure for me to be in conversation with Johannes Gerloff. Johannes is based in Israel. He is a German-born and raised theologian and journalist. And in our conversations, we're talking uh, about a range of issues connected with the land of Israel, the people of Israel, and what God is doing, how this all relates to the Bible. Welcome, Johannes. Good to see you again. Shalom to you in Holland. So we're recording this during the corona crisis. We're all in a bit of a lockdown. Um, How are you experiencing this at the moment? Uh, You are in a bit of lockdown in Europe. We're in a real lockdown here in Israel. We're not allowed to leave 800 meters of our house. And uh, if beyond, the police will stop us and ask, where where are you going? So, uh, but I'm personally feeling well. Yeah, great. Very strange times. Well, last time we had what I thought was a really interesting conversation about, we got into talking about territory and land. And the question that we wrestled with is God uh, still interested in a territory and land? And I, you made a very important point. Uh, I just want to r- remind ourselves before we launch into the next topic that. You know, the Bible said God so loves the world that he gave his only son. And the world is more than just our individual spiritual salvation. It's also about the whole creation, including the physical world that we live in. And God's purpose revealed in the Bible is about life and flourishing on earth. His kingdom he wants to establish, he is establishing on the earth that he made and created and is is redeeming. Uh, so thank you for that really important insight. Johannes wanted to talk with you today about um, these new agreements that Israel has entered into with uh, now two Arab countries, Gulf countries, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, so-called normalization agreements. Can you just tell us a little bit briefly um, about those agreements? First of all, we have to be very careful. Uh, We have to see uh, what these... um, We had had more than 20 years ago, two agreements with Jordan and then nearly 40 years ago with Egypt, and they were still called peace agreements. We did not even have normalization with these countries. When I drive here from Israel into Egypt, I can't do it, but I will get another license plate so people don't recognize me as an Israeli. So it's not it's not really normal. Like me driving as a German to Holland, I I don't even have a border anymore. I mean, I realized where Holland starts, but 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 nobody controls me, and you will be always able to see that I'm driving a German car. 
It's not like that with Egypt. It's not like that with Jordan. And I think it's, it's a very positive step that they did not talk. Neither the Israelis nor the Arab Emirates nor Bahrain talked about a peace agreement, but they talked about normalization. And why I'm saying we have to be careful, a few years ago, and just to, to, to say there's another mindset on the streets of the Arab world. A few years ago, an, an Arab man, and we're talking between men now, it might be a little bit embarrassing if women are listen, listening, but you know, uh, an Arab man, in talk between men, he said something very interesting to me. He said to me, normalization is a dirty word. It's easier for me as an Arab to tell you that my daughter is a prostitute than to tell you that my son has normalized his relations with Israel. Now, you have to understand that also on an Arab background, that, that uh, um, if my daughter is a prostitute or is li living immoral, I as a father, not that I want to, but I have the duty to kill her. Because what is more important than the life of my daughter is the honor of the family. So I just indicate that we are here in the Middle East in a totally different mindset and environment than you are in the Western world, even though most Israelis will claim that they are Western. But we're in a different environment. So Arab states talking publicly about normalization with Israel is simply speaking, a revolution. Because they bring something up on the table that is a no talk. It's worse than talking about your daughter being a prostitute. And they do it without any change in the Palestinian world. So the real losers of this is the Palestinians and, and maybe Iran, but both are not able anymore to hold the whole Arab world, something like 50 to 70 states, if you take the Muslim states with it, um, something like 50 states, you cannot hold them hostage anymore, neither to the Palestinian issue nor to the Iranian ideology, but you say, we recognize how our relation with Israel, and now listen, not will be, but is. And the relation that the... The United Arab Emirates is for, has for decades been a normal relationship. So can you, why, why is the Arab world so hostile towards Israel, and how long has that been the case for? Uh, that's a good question I do not have a real answer for. Um, because it's, first of all, it's a, it's a question that is mainly ignored in the Western world. And it is, uh, it is uh, it's very difficult to grasp because of the honor issue I already touched. And I say it now from a Western point of view, it might sound different from, a, from an Arab point of view. But first of all, if I'm honestly talking and people tell me what they really think, um, there is a, a huge problem in the Arab world, and that is what we would call in Central Europe the anti-Semitism of the... Arab street. It's not the bad rulers that force their normal people who are peace-loving and normal people who just want to live and have peace with their neighbor. It's not that the bad Arab rulers force their good 
normal people to, to have for, uh, peace with Israel, but it's the good Arab rulers who force their bad street to have peace with Israel. And we have to simply wait what's coming out of that. So that is one issue. And I met this Arab, I, I, I said with, with care, anti-Semitism, because it's not, it's not based on a racism. It's much more based on religion. It's much more based on, on other issues. And if you ask, where does it come from? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. There was one, uh, there was one uh, Arab, one Palestinian who once told me, you have to realize that uh, Muhammad uh, liberated the, the tribes of Quraysh in the Arab Peninsula, and the tribes of Quraysh were Jewish, and how they liberated them, they killed all the men, and they married the women. And this was that Muhammad also married a nice, we would say, Jewish woman, who was also a good cook. And so, so she had to cook the feast meal to Muhammad uh, for, for this liberation of the, of the tribes of Quraysh. And what happened is that she actually mixed something into the food that in the end killed Muhammad. He, he, it, it didn't kill him at once, but it, he had to suffer for some weeks and then he died of it. So if, if that is true, I say, he, that's what one Arab told me. If that is true, we go back onto something very similar, on a very similar uh, kind of scheme as we Christians say the Jews murdered God. So in a, in a similar way, they murdered uh, Muhammad. But there might be other factors in, and we should not forget that it was the Arabs who invented the ghetto. It was the Arabs who invented the, the yellow um, piece of cloth that identifies a Jew So they're, they're, and, and centuries ago. So it wasn't a European invention, um, all these things, but, but it was an Arab invention. So... There's a lot of factors mixed into it, but to make it short, to say that the Arab, the, um, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain are normalizing their ties with Israel is, simply speaking, a revolution and a big loss to the Palestinians and the Iranians. It's, I think it's important just for our listeners um, to go back a little bit to understand the history of how this came to be about. My understanding is of with the State of Israel was created in May 1948. Before that, we had the Mandate for Palestine, which was something set up under the League of Nations to recreate a Jewish homeland in Palestine. And at the same time, the modern states of the Middle East, or many of them, were also being created because they were also set up by the League of Nations, namely Syria, Iraq, uh, Jordan, Lebanon. These countries, they all, all also owe their existence to decisions made after the First World War. Uh, when that mandate for Palestine came to an end, in 1948, so after the Second World War, the State of Israel was proclaimed and it was immediately attacked by five Arab states, wasn't it? And these were, these were new. E Egypt, of course, already existed for much longer, but also Syria, Jordan, Lebanon and Iraq attacked this new Jewish state immediately within yeah. hours. 
may I inter interrupt you there and, and yeah. just say another by thought, another thought that is important if you want to understand also the peace agreement today. Um, all the states we're talking about were before the World War I, were under Ottoman rule. And then the, the, the allied powers, the uh, victors of World War I, decided to divide the Middle East in a new order. And they basically said there has to be an Arab kingdom. And there was an inner Arab fight. If you know the movie Lawrence of Arabia, you have it there a little bit. And there was, a, there was an old family on the Arab peninsula that had their lineage back to Muhammad, the prophet. And, and they were basically driven out by the family of Ibn Saud. And, and there was a lot, but th that was the Arab side. And that is also one of the backgrounds why Arabs from the Arab Peninsula are much more uh, open towards Israel than, let's say, the immediate neighbors of Israel, like Syria, like Lebanon, like Jordan. Actually, the Jordanian royal family are the direct descendants of the... Um, of the family that came from Saudi Arabia was driven out by the, the, the house of Ibn Saud. So yeah, there was inner Arab fighting and, and the Europeans, and that was another problematic thing, brought in their idea of nation states, which is absolutely foreign to the Middle East and also to Africa. So they imposed something on the Middle East. And also these are thoughts that are, um, if you look today into the United Arab uh, Emirates, for example, you have a lot of, you have some Arab sheikhs that agree that they are kings and then that they are uniting. But, but you feel there is something that is existent until today on the Arab street um, and in the Arab countries that is much more determining than uh, the, the thought of Europe, of international law, of, uh, of, of having states, and so on. And then the British actually said, so the Jews should also have their state. And they promised to the Jewish people, and there, were, there was play back and forth, which you know better than I, but, but they promised the mandate of Palestine. And the mandate of Palestine was given to Great Britain in order to create a Jewish homeland. And actually, it originally included Jordan. And then we have all kinds of partition plans. And that plays into that. And that is also why Arabs on the Arab Peninsula can easily say, like the, the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia said to the Palestinians, now, why don't you get along with the Jews and make peace finally? Because there were petition plans. There was an, a huge Arab uh, state that was divided in the end. And then 75% of the state that was promised to the Jews was given again to Arabs, which is today's Jordan. And if we talk today about partitioning the land again, um, actually, whether you come from an Arab point of view or from a historical point of view, we're partitioning again the 25 remaining percent of the land promised to the Jews between Jews and Arabs. Right. But the Arabs as a whole, as I understand it, rejected the idea of a Jewish state at all, didn't they? I mean, that's why they attacked straight away, at least those five immediate neighbours of Israel, um, they were trying to destroy the Jewish state, not, not just keep it within certain borders. Am I right in that? Yes, I, I, I said before, the, the, what, what is the revolution now is that the 
Arabs in the, on the peninsula said, we are not hostage to the Palestinians. You have to understand, if you talk to Arabs, it's easily like, but I take the person that everybody knows, Yasser Arafat. He was born in Cairo. He grew up sometime with an uncle in Jerusalem. He had close relatives in Baghdad. So, so there, there are families, there are tribes. And what actually happened is that, that those seven Arab states that attacked the newly born state of Israel in 1948, what we were talking about, where I interrupted you, yeah, they were more or less hostage to the national interests of some Arabs that were in connection with the land, what we would call from the Bible, the land of Israel. So um, there are inner Arab policies that are very contradictory and and actually, King Abdullah I, the great grandfather of today's King Abdullah, he was killed on the Temple Mount by an Arab activist or terrorist, wherever you stand ideologically, because of his good relations with Israel. Sadat, uh, Anwar al-Sadat was killed because of his good relations with Israel. And we know that they were not normalized, yeah. So it's it's very it's very interesting how this whole thing will develop. So Johannes, you said that these new agreements are quite revolutionary. So this this is quite amazing that we have two Arab states, they're Sunni Arab states, that are entering into this um, normal relationship, which means they have diplomatic relations, they are going into economic cooperation or formalizing the economic cooperation that, that's already been going on uh, business to business for many years. But this is all now becoming to the public level, institutional level. They're committing to friendship, to working together at many different levels. Where does all the, Where is all this heading? Do you see actually a, a complete shift in the Middle East? Are we seeing now, um, you know, it, let's say Iran and Turkey are allied together against the rest of the Middle East? Will many other states follow this initiative? I want to be very, very careful. First of all, I cannot say what, what will happen tomorrow. But, but, and we have rifts that are very, very interesting in the world surrounding Israel, for example, you mentioned just normally Turkey and Iran together. What connects Turkey and Iran is only that they're both not Arab. Otherwise, they're, they're mortal enemies because Turkey is Sunnite or Sunni and Iran is Shiite. And some time ago, a, a Sunni sheikh said to me, you Christians are okay, the Jews are okay, but the Shiites, you should all kill them. And he actually told me that he hoped that uh, America would bomb, bomb Iran. So there's a deep Sunni-Shiite shift. The Turks actually have another problem that 2,000 years ago you didn't have them here. And if you have colonialists, and listen there to Erdogan, who accuses Israel of colonialism, 2,000 years there were Jews here, and every, every Arab knows that, but there were no Turks here. The Turks came somewhere from China or, or Eastern Asia, I don't know where, and, and invaded here. So that's another shift. Now, there is a racial shift between, between Arabs and Iranians, which Iranians, the name Iran, and that's what Iranians claim is 
connected to Aryan. Now, I'm not, as a German, I'm not allowed to say that anymore, but it was an Iranian who once told me, we are one, we are both Aryans. And they know that, that, that Arabs are, are, are what we would call in German Untermenschen, uh, subhumans. Yeah, so there, there's a very dirty racial element in all that. And uh, I, I do not know where all this leads. This is a very unsympathetic, let's say, mix of neighbors we have here. And, and there, is a, there is an ideolo ideological string that hates the Jews. That might also unite them, but I have to say might unite them. We should not forget that Turkey was a state that in 1949 celebrated the rise of the Jewish state. There were 50,000 people on the streets celebrating the founding of the Jewish state. And Turkey was the first Muslim state having diplomatic relations with Israel. Don't forget that. And Iran was, until 1979, the state in the whole area who had best relations with Israel. If the Mullah regime falls, we don't know what will happen. So there is a lot of question marks in that. And yes, at one point we are right, the threat from Iran and the, the, the systematic buildup of Iran of a to be a hegemonial power here, a regional power here, frightens the Arabs and and kind of creates a Israeli Sunni Arab block today that is against Iran, but that's nothing surprising. That is actually already 20, 30 years old. So what is the revolution is that the Arabs say we stand with this normalization, that they publicly proclaim it. Don't forget that I think two years ago, there were military exercises over the Mediterranean. It was organized by NATO and uh, the Greek uh, Air, uh, Air Force was participating, and the United Arab Emirate Air Force was participating with the Israeli Air Force. So um, they were also already fighting together. There are, there might be today. I don't know, certainly not from first hand, but there might be today even rocket systems in the United Arab em Emirates that were birthed or invented in Israel, pointing towards Iran. The new thing now is that officially Israeli airplanes can land in the United Arab Emirates and threaten Iran, and that changes the whole military situation. So, so what will happen, I don't know. Maybe Iran now makes peace with Israel and the whole thing will be thrown again back and there will be no normalization. I don't know. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of options on the table. Um, also, I mean, it, it depends on what NATO or the European Union does with uh, Turkey. And we have the Cyprus issue that is involved. And also that is a, you know, we have a, a big disappointment in Turkey towards the Europeans that drives them towards the, the Iran today, even though Iran from a Turkish point of view is very unsympathetic. But Erdogan first tried to be popular among the Arabs, which he didn't succeed because he thought they should follow him, and he kind of brought up these old Osmanic fears, and Arabs are rather occupied by Israel than dominated by Turkey. So uh, um, you see that there's a lot of things coming in, and it's very, very fragile, very unpredictable. 
what is going on here? Just one final question, Johannes, before we draw this podcast to a close, but uh, as an Israeli or living in Israel, do you sense amongst Israeli people uh, a euphoria about these agreements? Is this somehow ushering in a new area of peace or are people a little more, let's say, skeptical? As I said before, nobody's talking about a peace agreement. Um, most Israelis I know would answer, so what? Um, we will not be able to wear a bikini on, on the nice beaches they have in the United Arab Emirates. And, and they're actually very expensive. Business people have relationships already for a long time. It's somewhat unpredictable because the, the security situation in terms of legal security situations for businessmen is very unpredictable in the United Arab Emirates. So it won't change a lot. Uh, we, I, I don't see the big stream of tourists going there. The Israelis are, 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 are very curious. They will for sure go there to, to get to know that country. But it won't be like with the Black Forest of East Berlin, a, a, a relationship where Israelis go year by year. Interesting. Well, we're certainly living in, in fascinating times, aren't we? Thank you, Johannes, and um, look forward to speaking with you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We'd like to connect with you online. Find us on Facebook, visit our YouTube page and check out our website. For now, thank you for listening and we'd like to see you next time. Bye bye.